When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read. And take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out. For comic book commentary Spinning or winning inside Fix how they got a hot idea Narrative, character, visual tricks And onomatopoeia Uh-huh It's comic book commentary Hello, Comic Commentary. This is Kelly Sue DeConnick. I am here to talk to you about Aquaman issue 51. This is about the 17,000th time I've started this recording over again, I think. The first uh, 14 or 15,000 times I was trying to do the recording with my children, but it dissolved into bickering. So that clever idea went out the window. So they have gone to sleep and I have snuck out to do it by myself. So I'm told there's no right or wrong way to do this. I feel like I have discovered many wrong ways to do this, but I'm gonna try again. So here we go. Okay, page one. Aquaman, Arthur Curry, has picked up Aqualad from jail. Aqualad came all the way to Maine to find Aquaman and uh, ended up getting picked up as a suspicious person. Um, This was a thing I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I serve on the board of the Urban League here in Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon is incredibly white and we're an area that has a really particularly ugly um, history of racial injustice. Um, I don't think there's any place in the United States that has a stellar history of racial justice, but uh, in Oregon, it's particularly bad. Um, and Maine is also a very white state. It's a thing that's been on my mind in Portland, I follow a, um, a police blotter blog and, uh, the most common thing people call in to report is, uh, this incredibly disturbing thing called unwanted person. Um, so anyway, I was thinking about that when I was writing this. So, uh, Jackson Hyde is a young black man, shows up in Maine looking to find Aquaman, gets picked up as a suspicious person, makes his call to Aquaman. Aquaman goes and gets him. Aquaman makes apologies to him. Um, Aqualad's embarrassed. He, he, uh, he's afraid that Aquaman will lump him in with his father, who is Black Banta. Aquaman doesn't judge someone by who their parents are um, or where they came from or anything like that. And he says, anyway, I'm the one who should be embarrassed. You came to my home and got punished for being a stranger. Uh, Jackson says, technically picked up as a suspicious person. Aquaman says, we both know what that means. And uh, and then he takes his shirt off and 
uh, Jackson's like, whoa, what is going on here? Um, he takes his shirt off and we see his tattoos, which are um, kind of a, a something of a um, controversial choice um, because it brings, it's kind of a nod to the cinematic universe version of Aquaman. Um, although in our story, it also helps to cement him as a mythic character. It's a gift from Tangaloa, who is one of the ocean gods. Um, anyway, it's a fair critique um, for people who are upset about it. Um, but I also think it's a it's a fair choice to want to um, give people who came in off the films something to recognize um, in the portrayal of Aquaman. So page turn... And uh, Arthur says, road will only take you so far, kid. <laughs> he's he's throwing horns, this gesture. Uh, that's not in the script. That was all a Robison. Um, it's the dude who draws this comic is not only incredibly gifted, he's also incredibly funny. I really enjoy working with him. Um, so anyway, that, uh, that gesture is all him and it's great. And then Aquaman dives off the cliff and says, follow me. And then there's three panels of Aqualad's expression. And these three panels really kind of blew me away when the art came in because his face is so specific. I even asked Robeson if, um, if he had a model that he was working from. And he said, no, just from his head. Jackson's face is is." really really beautifully rendered there the acting you know a lot of um artists who can do the big incredibly you know epic stuff that Krobison can do have a harder time with the smaller moments or a harder time with the comedy and boy he's just got it all he can handle the whole thing it's really phenomenal uh next page page three i'm gonna lose count of what page we're on i know very soon but page three jackson's diving off the cliff and he says yeehaw and hits the water third panel on this page aquaman is uh swimming and petting us uh seal as he's swimming which just delights me and then three page four getting out of the water um Aqualad's all excited, like, all right, what are we going to do? And uh, Aquaman says, you know, some real hardcore hero stuff. We're going to help some people move. Um, Down at the bottom of the page, we have a little microaggression from Ralph, uh, who refers to Jackson as the kid from jail. Um, Page five, Jackson says... What's his deal? And then Arthur doesn't see it. Um, he's like, oh, he didn't mean anything by it. I was like dismissing it. And Jackson's like, no, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, I'm kind of with Jackson on this one. And we have uh, a little joke about the fact that Arthur's always taking his shirt off, which is funny to me. And, uh, and then he's using the call at the bottom of that page to ask uh, the sea creatures for help bringing um, the supplies in that they need to reclo- relocate the old gods on the island. Okay, page turn. And now I think I have officially lost count. What are we on, page six? I think this is page six. We are in Atlantis now, and um, Volko has been named Mara's fiance. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there must be a special word for fiance who's going to marry the queen but 
um, whatever. Mira has named Volko as the person that she will marry. Everybody knows this is a stall tactic. Nobody believes it, but she's the queen and they can't call her on it. Um, and so he's uh, talking to like the wedding planners. Um, and this is clearly something that they, the two of them have rehearsed. And they have this plan um, because they're trying to get we, we saw on the on the previous issue that they're trying to get a bridge built. Yes, a bridge underwater. But the idea is the bridge is to um, span the current in the crevasse that divides the ninth tribe from the rest of uh, Atlantis, and uh, and therefore and, and thereby connecting their economies and trying to um, bring some money into the ninth tribe. So anyway, they have this plan to use uh, the flowers that grow in the ninth tribe for the wedding. Um, and if they do that, then first of all, they'd have to complete the bridge in order to get that many flowers across. And uh, and also the labor in picking the flowers would put a lot of money into the tribe. So um, Mara's feeling very proud of herself for coming up with this plan. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Satya is not amused we're over on page seven now and she's kind of hissing at mara mara says i could have you arrested for taking that tone with me page turn to page eight you wouldn't dare don't try me and she dismisses them they go off to research the sea lilies of the ninth tribe under her breath Satya reminds her you can't stall forever the people want a wedding and a king and then Mara, in full voice, refusing to hide the conversation anymore, says, I understand that, but while I am their queen, I will govern as I have lived on my own terms. And then we have a nice thing where she's sort of staring off into the middle distance. And on page nine, I think it's page nine. I'm kind of guessing about page numbers. On the next page, we have Aquaman also staring off into the middle distance in Amnesty Bay. The two of them clearly thinking about one another. I think this is a beautiful page, largely silent for kind of wide cinematic panels. Again, her son is just super, super good with the acting. Such a strong artist. Um, okay, then on page, I think, 10, Aqualad comes up and says, uh, yeah, just thinking about stuff, or Aquaman, Aqualad rather comes up and, and just asks how Aquaman's doing or what he's thinking about, and, um, and clearly he's, he's thinking about Mira, but he doesn't really say, um, and, uh, Aqualad lets him know that the boats are unloaded, and so... The seals and dolphins are done. Aquaman thanks them. They go back into the water. And that's, let's talk for a second about the call. So the call is Aquaman's telepathic ability. And in the past, sometimes they've, uh, or we've, sometimes um, creators have apologized for it um, or tried to... Well, there's a couple things that, that have been done with it that I actually really strongly disagree with. Um, so this is his, this is his singular, like this is the ability he has that's very different from anything anybody else has. You know, lots of characters are super strong. Lots of characters are bulletproof. You know, lots of characters can talk underwater or in space or whatever. But um, this telepathic ability that he has 
uh, to communicate with creatures of the sea. Um, that's really unique to him. And so it's been made a joke when people are like, oh, you know, Aquaman talks to fishes or whatever. And, and then people get self-conscious about that. And they're like, oh, no, you know, he doesn't talk to fishes. He controls them. But my feeling about that is if if you can control another living thing that has a will, that's not a heroic ability. That's a villainous ability. Um, taking agency away from any creature is not that's not heroism. That's not leadership. Yeah. I don't know what to call it, but villainy. So anyway, um, so my feeling about that is that no, it's, 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 it's direct communication. And I have him speaking in English, but you know, it's not, it doesn't work quite like that. But, um, anyway, the notion is he can issue the call and they can choose whether to respond or not. And if he is a good leader, if his cause is just, then they can choose to respond. Um, but, you know, if if he proves himself to be unworthy or if they don't trust him, then they don't respond. So I like that because it it speaks to leadership to me. I also think it's really interesting for a character who is is traditionally masculine as he is and is powerful and strong for their really unique ability to be the ability to ask for help. Um, I think there's something really, really interesting in that dynamic. So anyway, that's how I choose to think about the call. Okay. And then, uh, we have a little fun in the next panel with, um, Aqualad making a rainbow, which is, uh, a reference to the fact that he is a gay character. Um, which is kind of a little delightful, fun nod without forefronting it as the, you know, a thing we immediately have to talk about, about his character. Um, it's part of who he is, but it doesn't need to be a part of every single storyline. Anyway, I love the, the, he, he's aquakinetic and make a rainbow though. And so Aquaman says, I'm sure that's useful. Aqualad says, you'd be surprised. So I got the job, what job? And then next page, which has got to be what, 11, I'm guessing. Aqualad says, right, we should talk about the title. Sidekick is insulting. Ward is, let's face it, creepy. Apprentice. Um, and then Erica and Dwayne come in and interrupt the conversation. Uh, we gave Dwayne a surname there in panel two. Uh, and his surname is Freydon for Ramona Freydon, a nod to one of the most important Aquaman creators uh, in his long history, Ramona Freydon, who is still with us in her 90s. And uh, I saw her at a convention not too terribly long ago, which is incredibly cool. All right. And then uh, we have a, a nice moment between Dwayne and um, Jackson. Dwayne is a cop, and so he makes reference to what happened to Jackson. He says, I heard you had a hard landing in Maine, man. I'm sorry. And he says it is what it is. And then we have a little bit of fun banter about the assistant gig. Uh, and then that last panel on that page, I think, I think they, uh, the editorial asked Robison to uh, tweak that panel because they thought um, Dwayne looked too uh uh sinister in that panel which i just thought it was he was amused by jackson getting arthur's goat um so anyway didn't bother me but um page 12 
everybody is working together to restore the old lighthouse and um beautifully rendered page 13 they're putting the lens in um it's a really really heavy piece of glass and then they once they've got it in place they can light the lamp and jackson does the honors and then we do a, a pre-lap cut at the bottom of that page to the dialogue on the next page so we start the dialogue for the next page on this page this is interesting i'm noticing that i have uh there's a tear in my copy of the book which is sort of weird anyway it's it's small and it's kind of in the middle of the page i'm not sure how that happened anyway uh okay um i've completely lost count of what page number we're on so the bottom of this page uh captain mauer Ooh, there's a typo. There's an R missing there. We'll have to fix that for the trade. Wanted to be a light in the darkness, a beacon. Page turn. And now we are on the beach of the island at night. The lighthouse is restored uh, and everybody's kind of resting um, and telling stories around the fire. Erica is telling stories about the town's founder, um, who was a uh, a writer. Um, there's a couple things in this panel I really, really love. And this is a silly thing to love, but I love Wee's braid over our panel left. Um, I love uh, Aquaman's posture. And oh, maybe is that Aquaman? I don't think that is Aquaman, actually. Um, whoever it has their back to us right here, I really like their posture um, in the first panel. And then I like the pose with Erica leaning into Dwayne too. I think that's lovely. Then Tang, moving down to the next panel, Tang is on the shore waiting for uh, Ralph, our Mr. Microaggression guy, to deliver food. He doesn't want to stay. He says he'll come back to get the carrier bags. He gives the food to Tang. We cut back on the next page to Jackson telling Arthur uh, that he's familiar with Tristram, who is, as a character, is named after um, my uh, my trainer, <laughs> my trainer at the gym, uh, who um, is from the Northeast um, and has the most Northeastern name I've ever heard in my life, Tristram. It's so hard to pronounce. He goes by TJ, but I had never heard Tristram before, and it was like just about the most East Coast thing I could conceive of. So anyway, Tristram, the writer, and uh, uh, Aquaman says, oh, you know his work? And he's like, hell yeah, I know his work. I played an RPG based on his stuff for two years when I was a kid. And Aquaman razzes him about still being a kid. And so Jackson gives as good as he gets, um, which makes Royal chime in, which is amusing for everyone. And then Tangaloa uh, gets back with the food and everybody is uh, coming to get dinner. And Aqualad continues and says, uh, no, but for real, Maurer was a master. And as he's talking about what Maurer was like as a writer. And Maurer is, as a writer, is his voice, I'm actually aping Melville um, and you'll get a lot more of his voice in the next issue. But I'm I'm aping Melville 
rather than uh, Lovecraft, but there's obviously something Lovecraft in the DNA as well. So anyway, on the page turn, he wrote about like monsters and stuff, but on this whole other level. And then we see uh, Ralph hears something thumping at the boat and then it grabs a hold of him. And then on the next page, the top of that page, first panel, um, Sonny Go, who is our colorist, who I neglected to mention up to this point, and that is absolutely uh, tragic because Sonny does incredible. I should I should actually stop and credit the whole team here. I've talked about Robison, but um, Daniel Henriquez does the inks on this book. It's also a phenomenal artist. Works very closely with Robison, and is just uh, an absolute joy. I like these people. It's so nice to work with a team of people. And I, I actually have this on all of my books. I've been incredibly lucky in my long-term relationships, but um, I have a team of people to work with on this book who I really enjoy as people. Um, and we kind of talk to each other about all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, I think it makes the book better. Anyway, Sonny's birthday was on Sunday yesterday. And um, and he is our colorist and he has done a phenomenal job. Um, really just beautiful, beautiful work. Um, and, uh, and then that scream, the blood curdling scream, uh, so beautifully rendered by our letterer Clayton Cowles, who, uh, I work with at every opportunity. Um, I have a nickname for Clayton. I call him Ace. He's very good at what he does. Um, and also, uh, because it's good for me to have a nickname, uh, for him because I am a huge pain in the ass for letterers because I tend to rewrite once the book is already lettered. Once I can see the words on the page, I, um, I go through and change, um, at least once, uh, sometimes a couple times and, um, and he tolerates me amicably. Um, and has for years. So thank you, Clayton. Uh, all right. So the monster grabs hold of Ralph and, uh, Ralph screams and they hear it at the fire and they all come running. And then on the page turn, ah, we see the monster. So I asked Robeson when we first started working together way back before I wrote issue 43, um, I asked him, what do you want to draw? And he said, monsters. So, um, so I've been trying to give him as many monsters as possible. And he's done an incredible job with this one. So, um, clearly a nod to Cthulhu in there, but also, um, some of his own stuff too. Really creepy. We'll get a lot more of this monster in the next issue as well. And then we have an epilogue. This is the Year of the Villain epilogue. And uh, it begins with a little drone flying into a cave. Uh, and then the drone sets down and projects Apex Lex. Um, and uh, on that second panel, uh, Manta's ship surfaces. Um, having followed the drone in, and then we see Manta, who is a real joy to write, by the way, uh, debark from his ship. All right, Luther, you got something for me. Where is it? And on the page turn, uh, Luther starts to fuck with him, um, and, uh, he's just kind of needling him. 
I should say, he starts to needle him. My language is terrible. I'm sorry, you guys. Anyway, he starts to needle him. Uh, just like that. No, hello. How you been, Lex? Manta kind of cuts to it and says, I don't like you. Oh, brusque. Who raised you? Don't go there. Um, I like that panel. I like, I like, uh, Manta's pose there. He looks like a, like a cowboy waiting to draw. It's really cool pose. I really like the way Robeson draws him. Um, anyway, um, Lex brings up Manta's father on purpose. Manta tries to, uh, kill the drone just in the meeting, but, um, he gets, he is electrocuted. It doesn't kill the drone. Um, and, uh, Lex says, don't try that again. Um, next page, Lex is telling him if he would just show a little bit of gratitude, he would make a powerful ally. And, uh, Manta's like, gratitude for what? Um, and then down at the bottom of the page, Lex finally gets to it and he says, uh, I'm going to give you two gifts and one, a weapon powerful enough to destroy Arthur Curry. And I'm going to give you your father back. So we're playing a little bit with fathers and sons here. You know, Jackson is Manta's son. Manta has a, a deep, deep wound around the fact that uh, Arthur is responsible for his father's death. Arthur straight up killed his dad, which is something I have some difficulty with as well, because in my reading of that scene, and I haven't talked to Jeff about this, I should ask him about it, but in my reading of that scene, the mistake that Arthur made was like he killed Manta's dad thinking he was killing Manta. But I think, I think that's like, that's still to kill it all is to me like such a problematic choice for a heroic character. Like, oh, well, you know, it's like, it doesn't make it okay that, oh no, but he, he thought it was Manta, you know, he thought he was killing Manta and we're like, that's still not okay. So anyways, this is something I wrestle with a lot, but, um, and yes, I know Manta's trying to kill him, but that doesn't make it okay. That's kind of the point. That's what differentiates heroes from villains. Anyway, I should talk to Jeff about that sometime and see if that's the intention or if I'm misreading it. So anyway, Lex says, I'm going to give you your father back. And Manta says, the hell are you talking about? Turn the page and we meet dun 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 Mecha Manta. And come on, you guys, Mecha Manta is really cool because it's a giant robot. And it's a giant robot uh, that is super powerful and also um, has an AI that is programmed to uh, emulate Manta's father. So he gets his dad back and he gets a powerful and a weapon powerful enough to kill his enemy. Uh, and then I get to write the super fun line, say hello to daddy, which I'm sorry. I'm a child. It made me titter. And then yes, next blood of the Manta. So that is issue 51. And I hope that there was something interesting for you in there. Um, I'm sorry. I was not, uh, able to include, uh, the content from the 11 year old and the nine year old. I'll have to wait until they, um, can get through this without bickering. Um, I don't have siblings. Approximately what age does that happen? Let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Kelly Sue at K-E-L-L-Y-S-U-E or on Instagram at Kelly Sue D. K-E-L-L-Y-S-U-E-D. The letter D as in Deconic. Thank you, Mr. Blacker, for having me on. And uh, I hope that you like Aquaman. 
and um, that you will join us for issue 52 and more Black Manta action and more Lovecraft. And my, um, I'm actually really, really proud of the, uh, of the Mauer stuff in 52. I hope you dig it. Okay, bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarchet. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>